Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. I am so excited to have my good friend and fellow author, Heather Wallace, on the show today. Hi, Heather. Hi. Yay. So Heather and I have had lots of fun together. Um, We've been roomies at the American Horse Publications Conference, and we've pranced, which Heather likes to do a lot, around uh, different places like the Equus Film Festival. And, And we've been, you know, talking and sharing and really working together as authors and uniting as authors for for a while now and I'm so excited to have her on the show and I'm going to read a little bio for Heather so listeners can get familiar with kind of who she is and then we'll get to the fun part which is obviously the interview so here we go Heather Wallace is the writer and photographer for the blog The Timid Rider which focuses on the struggling confidence of a returning adult equestrian She stepped away from horses as a teen due to anxiety and regretted it ever since. Now she is back, but things are a little different now. She's a mother, less flexible, and a lot more nervous. The biggest difference? She's following her passion despite lacking confidence. Join her as she talks about all those things we think but don't say out loud. Heather is the award-winning author of nonfiction titles, Confessions of a Timid Rider, which details her insights about being an anxiety-ridden but passionate equestrian, and Girl Forward, a tale of one woman's unlikely adventure in Mongolia. I can't wait to talk about that. In her spare time, of which she has very little, she spends her time with her husband, three children, two dogs, and a pony. You can follow her on social media at timidrider or at timidrider.com. So Heather, you know, I, as I was developing the questions for our podcast and galloping around all of your different websites, you are involved in so many things. I had a hard time slimming down the questions so we didn't talk for 46,000 hours. You are involved in so many cool things and doing so much with your life. And I'm so impressed. I think I wanted to start maybe with the fact that you wear a lot of hats. You know, you're a business owner you're an animal massage therapist, you're an award-winning author and blogger, a freelance writer, a photographer, uh, an equestrian, a wife, most importantly, a mom, you have a podcast, you travel. I just am like in awe of, of how much you undertake and how successful you are at all of it. So I'm just curious, before we you know, go any further, how in the heck do you juggle everything? Like do you today, <laughs> what's your strategy, or do you just go? <laughs> Honestly, it's a day by day kind of thing. I, I've always been pretty organized and I've always been pretty ambitious, but I've always been really lazy. Um, in college, like there was this big joke about how you'd always find me on my couch, you I know, rather than out doing, so I know hard to believe. It's so hard to believe you're the most motivated, like off and running person that I have met in my adult life. So that, that's, that's baffling. Too. I know. And I, I think it's like a weird thing that most people don't realize. Um, the biggest thing about me is I'm a classic introvert. So don't let this fool you. Um, 
like I'm better on camera than I am in person or I'm always have like a little bit, you know, like I always have a little bit of mania kind of babbling on um, <laughs> in new situations, but I'm either like at zero or I'm running a hundred miles a minute and there's really no in between. So it can be very exhausting um, to balance. And, and I do find it, it can be difficult. You know, I'm constantly struggling with that in my own life and traveling is, is a big part of it. I'm leaving actually tomorrow to go out of town for a couple of days for a conference and I have to organize the whole family, organize my clients, organize everything. Um, it's not easy. You kind of find pockets of time and, and I like to schedule myself. I like to put things on a calendar because otherwise I will forget. And uh, I have to kind of berate myself and be like, okay, no, this time of night, I have to sit down. The phone's going away. I have to sit and talk to my husband. I have to be present in the moment. So that's one thing I'm really working on is being present in the moment with anything I'm doing. Mm. Um, and it's hard, but so far it's working. You know, I have my moments, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how things happen. I didn't mean to start all these balls rolling. It just kind of <laughs> happened organically. Which, which I think is really cool because what you're up to is things that you love, right? And when you love what you're doing, it doesn't really feel like work. And it, I feel like it makes it a little bit easier to organize time around all those things. Like, I mean, I certainly don't have an, as many balls in the air as, as you do. And, and just your organization and your authenticity and your passion for what you're doing is really exciting. So do you find it a little bit easier to manage all these different things you're doing because you love your work, which, which we'll start talking about here in a second. Absolutely. I, um, I kind of reinvented myself when I was in my late thirties and, uh, I had the option. I, I made the option instead of going back to work full time when my kids were in school to create a business of my own. And I think making that decision and doing something I was really passionate about, I'm not exhausted at the end of the day. There's a lot of inspiration I still have, or I might have an idea and wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I just have to go write it down. Um, so that is shocking to my husband to find I'm not a morning person. I'm not a night person. I'm like a middle of the day person. <laughs> uh, so when he comes downstairs to find me already up working and no one's, no one's around and I'm actually getting done. Uh, excuse me. Um, beep. Sorry. <laughs> I'll find a beep. Getting, getting stuff done. Um, you know, it's, I think he actually is inspired too, because he gets a little jealous that I get to follow my passion and his mm. is still a hobby, mm -hmm. but it's tough. Yeah. It's hard. It's almost hard to put it away at the end of the day because there's so much I want to do. Mm -hmm. and there's just not enough hours. Yeah. And the ideas are flying around. And I think, I think that's the coolest thing. Like, I think I share that with you. Like I'm excited to get up in the morning to, to start working on all these, you know, cool, unique, fun things around, around writing in the horse industry. And I didn't ever feel that way when I was in, in my corporate life, you know, it's like waking up and just like, can't wait to work, you know? So it's, it's a really cool thing. And, uh, I know that you have a really unique story about how you decided to start your own business and you had the support of your husband. Can you talk a little bit? Because I think it's difficult for a lot of people to like take the leap to say, you know, I have this dream. I want to do this. Like, how did you kind of like talk to your husband about that and like work things out to, to give it a whirl. Right. Cause it's, it's that, just making that leap is hard. Um, oh, and it's terrifying, right? Like it's, it's terrifying. There's so, 
I will say that I don't think I would have been able to do it without my husband's support in any way, shape or form. He is a very type A person. He's a planner. Um, so I came to him with this idea saying, oh, hey, hon, um, instead of taking that, you know, $80,000 a year corporate job where we'd have to have a nanny and I wouldn't be home, what do you think about me starting my own business to do with horses and, and massage? And he goes, you want to rub horses for a living? <laughs> um, but, you know, he took a second and he was like, okay, come back to me with a business plan. I want to see that you've thought everything out and like, then we'll discuss. And so I did. I came back with a 32-page business plan. I did my research. I researched competition. I researched advertising, everything. And, um, and so he's like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'll pay for your certification. Uh, you can take some time when the kids are in school. You have three years, mm -hmm. three years to make this work, and then we reassess. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to lie. Running a business is really difficult, especially entering into a, a business that I'd never had anything to do with before. So I was just riding horses for fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's, it's taken some time, but it was funny because right around the two year mark, my husband was getting frustrated that I wasn't, you know, necessarily pulling in money for all the hours I was working, but then he started to see it shift mm. and he started to see it all coming together. And he started to see that, you know, how fired up I was. And he took that time limit off the table, which is good because I passed it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and here we are. And actually things are really starting to come together so nicely and, and organically. Yeah. So yeah, but I couldn't have done it without him, honestly. He's, he's a bit like having, um, you know, I always knew I could rely on him and, and I'm lucky that he makes enough to support our family that we could do that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's got that option. So while it was terrifying, I, I did have someone to lean on to be able to support me. And I hope that one day I'll be able to like, you know, powerhouse this so he can quit his job and retire early and I can take over for him. Right on. I mean, exactly. You know, so that, so, so you will do that. I know you will do that. I'm very confident that that will happen, but you know, for people listening in, it's like you, you and I, and a lot of other people that we know, we are like essentially starting small businesses and it's a, it's like a startup environment. And you with any undertaking, like when you look at a successful person, what's behind them is years and years and years of making small moves and staying true to their goal. And, you know, it, no one comes out of the gate in instant success. It's, it takes time to build these things. And, and it's true, you know, it's like, it takes a couple of years to really like establish a brand and, you know, get connected and do all the things that you've done very successfully. And, and now you're reaping the results. So it's a, you have, you have to be patient, you have to be diligent, you have to do the work, but success is always right around the corner. And, you know, it, it does help to have someone supportive in your corner. Now, if you want to do this on your own, right, like put some savings aside so you can take a break and take some time and develop things or do it, you know, between whenever you can, you know, that's initially how I started. I started, you know, writing on my work breaks, you know, getting up early in the morning and writing, writing when I could using my weekends, you know, fully. So it's like take baby steps create a plan. I love that you started this out with a business plan. Um, you know, like that, those are all very important things to get balls rolling and, you know, congratulations on the success that you've had, which we're going to start talking about here right now. But thank you. But yeah, yeah I just want to like inject one thing. Um, you know, he paid for my certification and he gave me a little startup money, a very, very little. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I set these small goals cause you feel like you're not very successful cause you're struggling to get new clients. You're struggling to get readers. And when I look back and I think like, oh my God, you know, that first six months, 
I couldn't afford to fly to that conference mm -hmm. or I couldn't, or you have to pick and choose when you're paying for it yourself because all the money I make for my business right now is going back into it. Exactly. So now, yeah. So I don't take anything out of the household income. I'm actually really paying for everything myself. And so it's slow and steady, mm -hmm. but that is also like something to be really proud of. Like I have support, but I'm also financially responsible for the, my, the, my business. Mm -hmm. And you can, I think there's some adage, right? Like it's like you can have a quick turnaround and a lot of money, or you can have a slow turnaround and a little bit of money, but either way, you know, you might be able to get there in the end. Like I chose the slow route, mm -hmm. but I think that it's better for me because when I'm learning so much mm -hmm. and, uh, and I can be proud that I'm doing it on my own. You should be absolutely proud of what you've done. And, and that's, that's wonderful. And you know, you're, you're only a few years in, right? So yes. this is, the, Maybe three years. Yeah. Your success has been phenomenal, which we're going to get to. <laughs> so, you know, so, so a lot of what you're up to now kind of stem through this shift in your life. Um, I'm really curious about your equine sports massage uh, certification, which I think this question will lead to, but you left riding as a teenager due to anxiety, um, but returned as an adult after having your first child. Now, can you tell us because I think this is probably what triggered everything that you've created up until now, right? Which we're going to talk about. So can you tell us why, I mean, why you stopped, you know, anxiety is a very serious, real thing for people. Um, but then, you know, but I wanted you to expand a little bit on that. And then, and then tell us about why you started writing, writing again, you know, as an adult. Um, you know, I think it's not an uncommon story. If I'm going to be completely honest, I think a lot of people have experienced this. Uh, the funny thing is I can only really tell looking back. Like I didn't know I stopped because of anxiety when I was a teenager. I didn't know that that's what it was. I just knew that I had this sinking pit in my stomach every time I would be on my way to the barn. And there was something, I was so passionate about horses for so long that that feeling just didn't sit right. I wasn't having enjoyment in it anymore. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that you know, I was a senior student. I was working alongside the trainers. I was at the top level. I was often riding horses that were, um, I wouldn't say too much for me, but not exactly beginner safe horses. You know, I was riding challenging horses and going through a lot. And I wasn't speaking up and saying I wasn't comfortable with this scenario mm -hmm. or I'm not comfortable with that horse he rears. So, you know, I've been bucked, reared, you know, I mean, you name it, I've been through it as a kid and I handled it but it kind of stuck inside and, and I internalized everything. Um, as true to my introverted nature, I do tend to keep things in until I just don't and it explodes all over you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what happened. I just exploded and I imploded and I didn't feel comfortable talking to my trainers or my parents. And I just was like, I'm done. I can't do it. I'm not doing it anymore. And it was easy to focus on college. It was easy to say like, I'm doing it because of this and not making excuses or mm -hmm. trying to find a way around it. But I dreamt about it for years. I mean, I missed horses so much. And especially as time went by, I lived in New York City and I, I volunteered at the Central Park Zoo for years because <laughs> I just need to be around animals. And um, I moved to a suburban, really horse-centric area and then after a couple of years, we had my daughter and I found that I didn't have anything for me. Like I was really, I was mommy and mm -hmm. I just lost my identity as a, as a human being and as a person. And I think that's very, very common. 
Um, so I was looking for that thing that would help me kind of find myself again. And I was, I told my husband, I said, I wanted to do horses. And honestly, it was terrifying. I got on this, you must, I think it was 25 year old thoroughbred. He was a previous dressage horse and he was a schoolmaster and he was just so sweet and cute. I didn't know how to tack. That was all done for me when I was a kid. I had no horsemanship at all. So I had no groundwork, nothing. I was at a show barn where they would put you on. They would do your growth for you, do your stir for you. So I was really helpless um, when it came to that kind of stuff. I had to learn everything. I had to ask. And I think that's the biggest difference. As an adult, I knew what I wanted and how to ask for it. And I wasn't afraid of being told no. And I think that was the biggest difference. Um, So yeah, so after that, I was just kind of like, okay, this is really nerve wracking and I still have this pit in my stomach, but I'm going to work through it and I'm going to find something that works for me. And, uh, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at today. I'm still doing that every day. Mm -hmm. And you are now a horse owner, right? Yes. So through your journey, uh, through your journey, you kind of chronicle in Confessions of a Timid Rider, uh, one of your books, which we'll talk about a little bit more, but through your journey, you were leasing, right? A horse for a while and then you wound up. No, he was just a lesson horse. He was just a horse that um, my trainer it was his, her horse and I, we, he just had a really tight relationship. So yeah, because in, in your book, like I, I read it a while ago and I'm like, you, you're the way you talk about your bond with this horse. I, I felt like you had more, like more uh, ownership or leasing of him than, than in fact, just a lesson horse. So, so this yeah. horse share with us his name and, and what he did. And then tell, tell us a little bit about your current pony and how it led you to your current horse. Sure. Uh, well, I met earthly delights. That's his racing name. They call him delight at the barn. And I just, we just formed this relationship. I just fell in love with him. And my trainer said one day, she goes, you're going to ride him. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm not riding a soft track there, but are you kidding? He's four years old. He's green. Like I'm not, no, I'm going to (laughs) die. And she's like, no, no, no. He's literally the same on the ground as he is in the saddle. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that's way too much horse for me, but I did it you know, because if you're not going to try something new to challenge yourself, then what is life for, right? How will you know you can do it? Um, so I did it. I, I got on him and, and we just absolutely clicked. And I rode him for two years. He was the only horse I rode for two years and um, just love him. He, he wasn't a good fit for my kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wanted him, but my husband was absolutely adamant against it. And I can't really blame him. You know, he was was young and 16 too. And, and off so. the track. And off the track. <laughs> I still see him all the time. So I started riding this horse, uh, Pony, named Ferris, who's basically like a small version of a thoroughbred. He's just uh, very reminds me a lot of Delight. And uh, oh my God, we just clicked. He was for sale, but he was a like the owner's favorite. So she was really particular. They kind of snuck me on him in a lesson. And finally, my trainer just told Jody, she's like, yep, you got to sell her to him. Like, this is it. So yeah, I've had him for about a year and a half and he's awesome. Ferris is a 14-2 Welsh cob crossed with thoroughbred. And so I get just a little bit of everything, which is awesome. And he's perfect. He's perfect and he's beautiful. And I'll, sh- I'll share pictures of the two of you together in, <laughs> in the show notes so people can see your lovely pony. Um, but what's, what's so wonderful about this story too is your, is your girls have expressed interest in riding. So this is like a perfect horse for your whole family. And how exciting is that to share as a mother, to share your love of horses, albeit, you know, a little timidly, 
with with your daughters and and help them build their confidence through through being equestrians themselves like how cool is that it's so amazing like they used to come and they would be three years old follow me around at the barn while i was feeding hay or turning in and turning out and you know so they kind of were begging me for years to take lessons and i kept saying no and one day I came into the tack room and they were cleaning leather without me being asked. Like they were cleaning the saddles and the boots. And I was like, you know what? You've, you've earned it. So they started taking lessons and they've not looked back. They have a big horse show coming up on Sunday. My oldest daughter has performed in the special Olympics at the horse park of New Jersey. Um, and so we, we got Ferris who was like a hunter champion. Not that I show him. Um, and we kind of taught him to be a kid's pony too. So it's really cool to see how he adjusts for the different girls, but he loves them so much. He'll just follow them around like a dog. Ooh. It's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's a member of the family, you know, and it's, it's yeah. so cool that they, everyone's bonding with him. I love that. I wanted to back up just a little bit and talk with you. You know, this is what kicked everything off was, you know, getting certified as a equine sports massage therapist. Um, and you're also <laughs> certified canine massage therapist it's like you're like you, you do so much um you know I wanted to talk a little bit about you know what services you provide and and what what your view is about the power of massage for animals and like holistic healing for animals um because I love talking with you about this topic I mean I'm sure this could be a whole interview in and of itself but I wanted to get a little bit of you know give people a little bit of t a taste of of that side of horses and, and dogs, the massage side. Would you talk yeah. a little bit about that? It's something I'm really passionate about. And I find that um, there's, we were talking about mindfulness before and being in the moment. When you're working with an animal with massage therapy, and I'll talk a little bit about like exactly what I do. Um, you really have to be in the moment in order to read them. Like I don't use big, crazy tools I don't use, like I use my touch and I use my body to, to listen really well. And I think that's why I'm so effective. Um, so basically I'm trained in sports massage therapy practices for, um, for horses and dogs specifically. Although I do work with llamas, alpacas, goats, you know, you name it. You want to, you want, you want to, you, you want me to touch your, your animal and help them? I'll absolutely try. Um, Sidebar, you're going to like a llama conference or something? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I've been rehabbing a llama, um, because of a, because of an injury to the leg, a tie up and, uh, and this llama actually has really high anxiety. So it's a twofold purpose. So when I'm working with massage, I don't just focus on the physical. I also focus on the mental as well. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a lot longer to treat. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I basically look for with my fingers and, um, my body, I, I detect areas of tension. Um, and I also treat the animals as a whole, you know, our bodies are meant to heal themselves. And so basically what I'm doing is removing anything that's in the way of that in the muscles, um, with pressure points and, and meridians and things like that. And I'm allowing the animal to then complete that task and to be able to, to heal themselves naturally. So it's really holistic. I don't believe in just saying like, okay, your horse is lame. I'm going to just treat him here. I think you really have to look at the whole body as a picture. And I don't do, um, because it's sports massage, a lot of times it's considered more of a physical therapy type massage. Like athletes get sports massage. Mm -hmm. um, there is a relaxing component to it. And I definitely feel like I bring that into a lot of clients but people don't come to me to relax. They come to me to feel physically better and then to prevent injury from happening. Um, 
And so I've started actually introduced the cold laser, which is an amazing tool um, to use on top of massage. It's effective on its own, but I feel like combined, it's, it's even better. And then I also do aromatherapy as well. And I make some products that are, are very um, widespread in their use, like anti-inflammatory or a healing salve that, um, that anybody can use for horses, humans, and dogs. So I try to bring that all together into one big picture, and it's all included in the service. Very cool. And I can uh, attest to how fantastic your products are. Your healing salve is like one of my, I use it on myself and my dogs and my horses, in fact, you know, so she has a boo-boo and she's wearing it right now. And, and Heather was so generous. I mean, that's what I love about our friendship too. And, And what I love about Heather is you're so generous with giving of uh information and of yourself and um sissy sissy uh got hurt a few years ago um she got her chest snagged on a stall um between her and another horse when i was at a boarding facility and it required a lot of stitches and i was so concerned about scarring and about it healing right and the first thing heather did like within two days then she reached out and she was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry you know it's awful she sent me the healing salve and i used it on her stitches and on the cut and it it's beautiful you can't see any sign that she was ever hurt and you know it's like that really that was the coolest thing that you did for me and I just felt such like gratitude and love for you and our friendship and that's in our early days of getting to know each other too and and you know you would do that and I'm confident you would do that for a perfect stranger you know and it's like you're just that giving and that wonderful I mean it's not about me trying to make money off off of my clients it's me trying to help them and try you know so it the hardest thing for me is not being close to be able to help her in person when she went through that yeah and 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 that's the coolest thing about you is like you authentically care about what you're contributing to the animals and to the people who own them and love them and you know you and you can you get a very clear view of that too when when you read Heather's books so I wanted to ask one question um, before we move on to, you know, about your books. Uh, I'm intrigued. How, yeah. <laughs> how, well, I'm curious, how long does it take to become certified in animal massage? Like, what does the program look like? Is it intensive? Like, wh- how, how do you even, how does that work? So actually, that's a really great question. And it's one I get a lot of emails about. There's a lot of different certification programs. So with the way it works in the United States, it currently the animal law is very state by state. So in Texas, an animal massage therapist wouldn't be able to work on an animal without a veterinarian's uh, supervision or like the the veterinarian would have to be there. Um, Same within New York. Uh, In New Jersey, it's a bit of a gray area. So I definitely say like check your state laws because you don't want to violate because certification is really broad right now and there's not a lot of laws related to body work, not like in chiropractic or acupuncture. Um, So that being said, there's programs out there that can take a week and are really intensive. And then there's programs that take nine months to a year and there's continuing education programs. So it really depends on what your knowledge is of animals and horses, what you want to do with it and um, how much you want to spend and how much time you want to give. I mean, you could certainly do the one week certification class, um, which I actually did do. I did do, uh, which is Equisage down in Virginia. I did do that. Um, but then I did, you know, I started up on the Masterson method on T-Touch and I'm always looking for new things. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, you know, I did the very intensive one, but I had a lot of horse knowledge to back me up as well. And I think you have to, you have to find the program that fits for you. Um, but it is important to be certified because you are dealing with an animal. You are not a veterinarian 
and you need to be very, very clear about what you can and cannot do. It is not mm. the same as petting. And there is always a risk of injury to yourself when you're working with an animal that's sore too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so certification ranges and there's no, you know, is there, is there like a, a place that everybody goes or is it just, you know, you got to look for the one that's right for you. There is no like uh, prominent certification. Yeah. I mean, I would say probably the most prominent would be either Equisage in Virginia, um, the Masterson method, which he does uh, throughout the United States and even abroad. Um, he's very well known. He's worked with the, the U.S. Olympic team for years. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to I'm hoping to meet him at Equine Affair in November of this year because he's a clinician. I really want to go see him work. Um, but then the Rocky Mountain School of, um, I believe it's Animal Body Work. Uh, I could get that name wrong, but it's a Rocky Mountain School of something um, <laughs> is is pretty well known. So, uh, you know, there's there's no kind of one that I think really is above all. Um, but there are some associations involved and you do need to have continuing education uh, and hours put in to even be a member of the association. Mm. And so we're starting to see some organization uh, pile in, which I think is really important because the biggest problem I have is that people don't think massage um, is rehabilitative or preventative in any way. They think I'm just going to make their animals feel good. And that's really the byproduct of what I do. It's not, it's not, you know, even remotely touching <laughs> the, the, the variety of things that I can pull off with a one massage session. So, mm -hmm. you know, and this is another thing that occurred to me. It's like you, you, I mean, you are a strong woman, but like, you know, you're, do you get tired? Like what, the, these horses are big. I mean, you really have to, you know, particularly with, um, sports massage, you know, I'm a big believer in massage. I get regular massages for myself. And like, you know, I know, my my masseuse will say, well, you have like rocks in your shoulders because it's from hunching over and writing on my books, you know. So like a horse, it's got to be like trying to you know break down Mount Everest. Like so, like you know, do you have to build the strength to be able to to work this through? And and how long does a, a session usually last? Like an hour? Yeah, for horses, um, a new horse will generally be an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. It it depends. I like to see them move beforehand, mm -hmm. or sometimes we'll put them in the round pen, things like that. Um, generally a horse that I work on on a regular basis, like every two weeks to once a month will take about 30 to 40 minutes because they've already got the basis, the foundation that we've built. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm five feet tall. The tallest horse I've worked on was 18 hands. I have to start <laughs> my day with that 18 hand horse. I can't end the day with that horse because my arms are just dead tired. My, my fingers are cramping. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I don't use, you know, tools and gadgets. I, I use the, my feel, my, my little feelers. And uh, yeah, the other day I had, I think five back to back. And in the last session I had, you know, one owner had the two horses and I chose the tall one last. And it was, I kept thinking to myself, like, why would I do this to myself? <laughs> so so that, that's really interesting. So like, how do you take care of yourself to keep yourself healthy? You know, I'm sure massage is probably part of your regular routine for yourself, right? To stay oh, healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yes, I really a firm believer in, in all of that. I mean, not only does it feel good, but I, I think I physically need it. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I'm really interested in getting acupuncture done. I haven't pulled that off yet, but I've been seeing a chiropractor um, because I was really having a lot of back pain. You know, I'm always in awkward angles 
Mm -hmm. And funny thing, actually, which I'm pretty excited about, when I got back uh, this summer, um, I had a a human and animal chiropractor that I knew, you know, and moved back to the area. And so she just came on board the practice. So she, we do a little quid pro quo, like she'll work on me and Ferris, and then, you know, I'll work on her horses. And so Awesome. It, it, it really, yeah, <laughs> it, it works out nicely. You know, I have to have some perks in my business, right? Uh-huh. It always <laughs> and I helps. use a lot of aromatherapy on myself as well. Like I use my own products. That's how I found out they worked. I started using them on my own and fine tuning the recipes and things like that. And then, um, yeah, so what's good for them is good for me. Mm-hmm. Well, great. And I wanted to say you cover a lot of these topics that we've been talking about right now on your blog, which I wanted to get into. So, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to talk a little bit about your work as the timid writer. And, um, you know, the coolest thing I wanted to share is I was actually there and I got to snap a picture of you <laughs> when the timid writer earned um, second place in the publishing media equine related blog category at the 2019 American Horse Publications Conference of which Heather and I were roommates. This is a huge honor, a pr- very prestigious organization. And to get that kind of recognition for, for all the work that you've been doing on the blog with Timid Rider is like pretty incredible. So, I, and I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited for you. So can you, will you talk a little bit about what the Timid Rider encompasses, what people can find when they visit you there, um, including all the other amazing things you're doing. And then, you know, how did winning this award make you feel? I mean, it, it must have like been such um, positive feedback on like what you've been putting your heart and soul into for all these, these couple of years here, building your business. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll be honest, actually, the timid writer as it is now is only a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. Um, which is mind boggling to think of because I feel like I've been on this journey for so much longer. I'm all about being really honest and being really authentic and sharing my life. And it's really terrifying in a lot of ways to put it out there. That first post I ever published was, I, I think I had a panic attack, you know, and I just closed my eyes and I just hit the send. <laughs> like, oh gosh, what did I do? Yeah, I'm like, publish yeah. now, oh God. Yes. And then, you know, I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking. I'm like, please, nobody saying anything mean, you know, because I was just mm-hmm. so fragile. Mm-hmm. But then also what's worse is that no one reads it, right? On the Timid Rider, I really talk about my personal journey, just talking about, you know, returning to riding as an adult, what I'm experiencing with my horse, what I'm learning with my horse, what I'm learning about myself. And, and uh, there's definitely some health and wellness and stuff on there because it's really hard to separate those two parts of me. And, uh, you know, I'm always believing in learning new things about myself and others. And um, I'll be honest, when... When it when the timid writer was up for the blog category at American Horse Publications, I was like, that is amazing. And then I got told it was a finalist, and I didn't really believe it. I got I was a little bit shocked, I'll be honest. And but it was just a validation that I'm on the right track. Like I'm I'm sharing this stuff, and and it's going like it's it's making a difference. It's even a small dis- difference. Someone's listening, mm-hmm. and. Then when we were sitting there and they're calling out the, the finalists, I'm thinking, oh, who, who was listed? Five blogs, whatever. And it was something like 17 blogs were listed and they showed such iconic blog, like websites, like Western Horsemen. I just, I was like, well, 
I've already won. Like I was a finalist. This is amazing. And then they called me as the second place and Western Horseman was first place. And all I'm thinking to myself is like, I won because I'm, I don't even think I'm in the same category as Western Horsemen. Like, how is this possible? They're just a huge, amazing, so iconic. I, it's brand. iconic. Yeah. And for me with only like a year under my belt and just talking about my own personal problems and how I'm trying to overcome everything and handle it all. I just, I, this it's still like, it's, it's crazy. Like I can't even still believe it. I mean, that does keep me going and writing though. When I feel like I'm talking to myself, I'm like, but the best thing is like writing for me has become a real catharsis. Like I've actually gotten better because mm -hmm. I've been writing about it and I've been getting it out there. Mm -hmm. um, so even just the act of writing has helped me. And you regularly have people reaching out to you, thanking you for yeah. sharing, you know, these very intimate things that people aren't always comfortable talking about. And, you know, they thank you and they reach out to you and, and, you know, people you don't even know are like big, big fans of your work and your writing and your books because you're sharing this thing. I think that we all deal with, which is, um, you know, being timid or being nervous and, and your hashtag, which I love and <laughs> is uh, be bold. And, you know, I think that really sums up the message that you're sharing with not just equestrians, but like people in general. Can you talk a little bit about the hashtag that you, you, you use, be bold, it's kind of like your, your mantra, like where did that come from? Yeah, um, it was funny. So when I started off, you know, I was writing the Confessions of a Timid Rider. There was one quote that really stood out to me. It was, let your passion be greater than your fear. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? Like, that's how I'm trying to live my life. And, and that's how I want other people to learn because I'm not just writing for myself at this point. I am writing for myself, but there's so many people out there that do message me. And, and um, you know, I've been grateful to even meet a couple of them in person. And, and it's just been really humbling and, and amazing. And so that's the message I want to send is, you know, it's not about fear. It's not about lacking confidence either. It's not about anxiety. It's not about, it's about believing in yourself. It's about taking that step. Like you have that moment of pause, that hesitation saying you can't do something and then just stepping through that and just saying, you know what, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Even if I'm not great at it, I'm going to do it. And that to me is what being bold is about. It's about recognizing and accepting the fact that like you have this feeling and then doing something, even a really tiny thing to just say, you know what, but that's not okay. I'm going to do something about it. And just taking that little step forward, because really that's all it is. Being bold is just taking that little step because you're going to find that each time it gets easier and it's going to be bigger and bigger. And I mean, I think I can be a pretty, a little bit of an example of that. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, I think that's a really, a super interesting point because it's like, you know, before, before we do anything, I know I have this experience. I'm like, oh, can I do this? Should I do this? It's like, well, it's the same when I was writing my books, like, you know, what am I doing? And then it's just summing up that ability to be bold and just take the step forward and being okay. like, you know, this is what's calling me forward. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to be bold, even though I'm nervous. And then, you know, taking that step developing whatever it is you're working on the dreams the you know goal of getting back in the saddle writing that book what what have you and then just taking as it comes you know so i i love i love that hashtag i think it, it's thank you yeah and i love it and i think it's it's because you know what it's not about like success or failure it's a, because you're already succeeding if you're you're stepping outside of your comfort zone right and you're probably learning something about yourself it's 
even if you make a mistake, which I make loads of mistakes, it, you know, there's definitely things I look back and <laughs> like, doesn't? Oh, God, yeah. my God. <laughs> you know, like no one's perfect. But if you recognize that there was a learning um, curve in that and, and say like, okay, well now I know better for next time, or maybe mm-hmm. I'll do this different. Or you're like, you're still, you're still doing something fantastic. And you're probably proving to yourself that you could do more than you ever thought you did. Absolutely. Totally agree. And, you know, uh, for anyone interested in this topic and who, you know, is inspired by this conversation and the hashtag be bold, um, Heather has a private Facebook group called the Timid Riders. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the group and how people can join the group if they're interested in this conversation? Um, You know, what happens there inside this, this Facebook group, the Timid Riders? Yeah, I started the group, uh, I don't know, maybe a little less than a year ago, I think, because I was receiving so many amazing comments privately. You know, not a lot of people feel the courage or or want to put it out there publicly that they're having issues with confidence or anxiety or whatnot. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to provide a really safe place where, where not just me, but everybody else who felt that way could, you know, maybe lift each other up. And so, um, so I have a private Facebook page called the timid writers. You can find it either, you know, by searching for it or through my, through my, my Facebook page at timid writer. Um, and really it's, it's a community we're still growing and we're still kind of figuring it out. And I, I really want it to be a place where, you know, everybody is, is, is posting great stories or guys, I have a problem today and other people are engaging with them because it's not just about me, I think the biggest compliment I ever get is that I'm so relatable. And I think it's because I'm, I'm just like you. I'm just like anybody else, whether you ride horses or not, but like, I'm not perfect. I all, I struggle with my, with confidence and, mm-hmm. and self-awareness. And, you know, I, there's so many of us that do. And I think that the more people you have as, that you can call community, the, the better for you, you have somebody to talk to, even if um, you can't voice it aloud you can do it in this, in this private, private group. So that's the goal anyway. Yeah. And then, so people can join just by requesting to join the group. If this is a topic that they, they want to be a part of. Yeah. There's three questions just, you know, to avoid spam, that kind of thing. Um, but it's really minor questions. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I really never had a reason unless it was spam to say no. Um, I don't think I am very careful though. If I find any kind of advertising or, or negativity, I mean, like, that's it. Like, I'm not, I'm not into that. Like, this is a really supposed to be a safe place. And Mm -hmm. I really, I'm very, very strict about that. But yeah, I would love people to join in because the more people that come in and join and tell their stories, whether it's the good or the bad or the ugly and share pictures and, and, and whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, I think that that's how we, that's how we talk about it. And by talking about it is how we address it. It's something about, what is it? Stop the stigma. It's, it's mental health awareness month, you know, passing us now. And, um, I think it's important to just get it out there. Like, it's not just about confidence. It's not just about anxiety. It's not, it's about us being okay to talk about our feelings and not being judged for it. Very cool. I think that that is a wonderful thing that you're doing uh, for pe- for your readers and just for people in general um, to talk about these things openly and then and then find the courage to be bold and work through that. Right. You know, so that's like that's like the essence of what you're up to. Uh, I have one more question about the blog before we move on to talk about your wonderful books. Uh, 
you have a lot of really interesting topics on your blog. I mean, you talk about horse health, um, you know, massage, essential oils, product reviews, confidence and being bold. I, I mean, there, there's such a wealth of information on your award-winning blog. Um, I am, and I particularly love, I mean, this is what I think really uh, helped our friendship bloom because you feel very similar to the way I do about um, uniting authors and elevating, you know, it's like, we're, I'm all for, for everyone, but like, I'm also very into um, elevating women in the horse industry. And I know that you are too. Mm -hmm. You have a series on your blog that I think is, is really fascinating and interesting. And it's called Equestrian. Am I saying that correctly? Equestrian. Equestrian. Yes. So, so you, 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 you poor French. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, so you fixed my, my, uh, my pronunciation there, but, um, you know, tell us, this is a, this is a series that profiles women in the equine industry. And I would like, you know, will you tell us a little bit about the series and where you got the idea for, for doing this and featuring these women in all sorts of backgrounds? I mean, they, they're, you're, you're, they're talking on all sorts of topics. The interviews are on all sorts of topics. Tell us a little bit about, about that series. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I feel the same way you do about women supporting women. And uh, it's funny that I found um, as I proceeded along this route of, of, of running two businesses now, I mean, with the massage therapy and the writing and the blog and everything, um, that the, the people I were connecting with were, were women and were very similar to myself. And um, I've learned so much through them. And I've, I've really have that pay it forward mentality. So one day I was driving in my car, which is kind of where I get my ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought, wouldn't it be great to really highlight some of these people who are maybe not front and center and maybe um, trying to do what I'm trying to do and then just make a difference in their small way uh, with horses, with the equine industry, um, and who maybe want to just like spread a message. So I was like, I would love to do a book on this, but it's so hard and there's so many amazing women out there. The book is the goal to do like a chapter on different women, but I, I'm doing a blog featuring um, different women, different disciplines all across the world, trainers, brands, um, you know, business women, photographers, you name it. Authors. Um, authors. authors. <laughs> of course, authors. How could I forget? No, of course, authors. And so, um, and really just not even just promote themselves, but share their message, share mm -hmm. Um, what they're trying to do to a different audience and, and one that, you know, I, I would like to think my audience is really nicely engaged. They, they love learning about new things and um, they're always asking questions. And I think that's really important. So I wanted to give people a, a way to do that. Um, so it's, there is, I don't know if there's an easy, I mean, if you want to be a part of it, I would love to, you know, I mean, you're a part of it already, but if anybody who's listening wants to be a part of it, um, you know, I have a, just a questionnaire to fill out and, um, and then, you know, a lot of times I just basically publish the questionnaire with the photos that's given and I always link back, but, uh, there's a couple people half flagged that I'd like to follow up for like really in depth to research for a book chapter. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be able to put a, like a big book together of just women in the equine industry, you know, making I a difference. That. I love that idea. That's the goal. That's yeah. the goal. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, I, I need more submissions and, uh, and, uh, you know, just because you're on the blog doesn't mean you'll necessarily be in the book, but I mean, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I love learning and there's some people that I never heard of before. And, um, 
you know, rightly so. I don't know everybody. Right. Um, but it was really cool to hear what they're doing and something that I didn't know about. So it was really cool. Well, and that's, I think that's the coolest thing about um, having written books and in the business that you're doing and like the whole horse industry as a whole, like, you know, as, as I'm looking on bigger and bigger topics and, and doing different things and going to different conferences, I am meeting all sorts of people in different disciplines than I would have if I just stayed in, in you know, my world, which is paint horses and Western pleasure and, you know, like that sort of thing. So like, we, like doing what we're doing and having our books in the world and going to things like the Aquist Film Festival and um, Iguana Fair and the AHP conference, all these different things bring you in contact with wonderful, fascinating people, in, in especially women that are in the horse business that, that we wouldn't have been able to touch if we just stayed in our lane, you know? So I think, I think that profiling these people that you come in, into contact with is very cool. And I love the idea of the book. And speaking of uniting with other equestrians, you also just launched a podcast. So would you, you know, talk a little bit about that? Because I think, I think this segues perfectly into that conversation because you are partnering with women on this podcast and doing something really fascinating. So can you tell us about your podcast and tell us about how that came to be and who you're partnering with? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called the Equestrian Pulse. Um, and basically, um, you know, I work a lot with other bloggers and women, as you say, and, you know, I'm, I'm very social, especially online, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, online social, being social online is so much easier for an introvert. You know, it's like, yes, Heather and I are like trained extroverts who are actually introverts, you know, so we seem like we're very outgoing, but like it takes me, it takes us both. We talked about this when we were roommates at the American Horse Publications Conference. It takes a while for us to recharge after putting so much energy into being on all the time and engaging with other people. Like I find that, you know, like after a conference, I'm very depleted of energy and I have to recharge by being quiet and being with my animals and my, and writing and reading and doing all those sort of introverted things to recharge my batteries, you know, so. Oh, totally the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to this llama conference and I, I'm rooming by myself because I know I'm just going to need to have that mm -hmm. quiet time because I'm going to be on the whole time. I'm going to be presenting and doing a demonstration. So, yeah, um, you know, nothing, nothing quite to challenge an introvert than uh, a conference. <laughs> be bold. <laughs> And putting yourself out there about, you know, a practice that not everybody accepts as, as, as mm. real, you know, or as valid. Um, but yeah, so I actually, so I work with a lot of bloggers and, you know, we're really great about asking each other questions and we actually have a support group of our own. Um, and so Andrea Parker of the Sandarina Ballerina, who started her blog uh, December, I believe in 2017, it's super popular dressage blog in Australia. Um, really, really great. Go check it out. She reached out to me and a couple of other ladies and she was like, I want to put together a podcast and I want you ladies to be involved. And, um, you know, not everybody was able to commit to it and work it out. But, um, so right now it's, it's Andrea, myself and Louise Dando, who has the blog Indu Horse in Toulouse, France. Um, and so we all have a really different perspective on things and we have a different, you know, I'm the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a mom. None of them are, um, let's see, Andrea is, uh, she, she's currently unmarried, no kids in, you know, competing in dressage and in Australia. And then Louise is married, no kids. Um, you know, just playing with a horse that's not hers. Um, and, uh, and, and trying to live in a country that, you know, she doesn't speak the language so much that so she's learning. And so we're all kind of, 
different and it's a lot of fun. You, um, people can check us out on Facebook at uh, Equestrian Pulse Podcast or on Instagram at Equestrian Pulse. And we basically talk about, you know, fun things in the horse world. Anything that uh, we have a lot of themes uh, that come up and we have interviews with people uh, from all over the world, all different industries. And uh, it's great because I get to chat with, with the ladies and we get to meet new people. And uh, we all have a really cool different perspective on things. Very cool. And I will make sure to link to your podcast in the show notes so people can find you and give a listen. And, you know, I'm really enjoying that. And, you know, and the topics are, are so cool and so interesting. And um, I think anyone who loves horses will be very interested in the Equestrian Pulse podcast. So so I'm going to make sure to put that in. And I love how you're uniting with women internationally to, to bring stories to, to people into the world. So it's like, again, Lots of hats. Don't know how you do it all. Holy smokes! <laughs> I'm getting up at six in the morning tomorrow to film uh, to uh, to to uh, record an episode with the ladies. It's a very <laughs> unique time frame that we get to all get together. So yeah, because uh, you're all in different time zones. So exactly. Very very cool. Um, okay, so now this is the equestrian author spotlight. So let's get into your books. Can you uh, start off by just telling us a little bit? about your books first and kind of how you birth those book babies. And then we can get a little more details. Um, so my first ever book was called the equestrian handbook of excuses. And it was kind of my foray into self-publishing. Um, I had a really popular blog post and so I decided to build on that. And so it's really sassy and it's a fun little gift book. Um, but confessions was always the book that I, I really had in my head and heart to write. And, um, it was super terrifying <laughs> to put I, it out there. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about that too because you are very real. I mean, this book is about your life and your experience and some of the you know the things that you have to deal with. It's true. I mean, you know, usually people get through the first chapter and they they they're sending me a private message saying like, "Oh my God, this is so relatable. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm reading about myself." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and that goes just in part of the whole community aspect of it, right? It's like, I'm not the only one. I mean, why should you read my story? It's because you, it's probably your story too. It just has mm-hmm. to do with horses. Um, I saw a lot of myself in that book too, as a, as a fellow like introvert. And I think I, I did the same thing. I think I Facebook messaged you and I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I feel like I'm reading about myself, you know, which is, which was very cool. Well, so. And I think, I think Devin has in your books has a lot to do. I mean, I can identify with her because I feel like she and I would be very good friends. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's so funny. We kind of write what we know. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and that's why it's scary as an author, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, and, and nonfiction, it's funny. I never saw myself writing nonfiction and I don't read nonfiction. Um, I read fiction mm-hmm. and, uh, but it seems like that's what I'm kind of driven to share. And so, I mean, at least for now, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, confessions of a timid rider is basically the story of a returning adult equestrian me with a horse that she's in love with and doesn't own. And, you know, each chapter is a different confession. Um, but I think the overreaching theme is, is that it's totally worth it. <laughs> you know, at least that's what I want the overreaching theme to be is, is just, you know, to, to kind of step up and, and, and I'm still here. I'm still doing it. I'm still being bold. Um, and yeah, and that one was a, was a 2018 Winnie award winner at the Equus film festival, which is still shocking because I was 
talking in the middle of the award ceremony to my friends and they called my name and I, and I didn't believe it. So that was awkward. <laughs> and um, for, for those of you <laughs> watching the YouTube video, you can see her winning award over her shoulder there. And you can ah. also see her American Horse Publications uh, certificate from, from yeah. the, and I was there when she got it, which was so cool. And I just have to add this in too. We were roomies at the American Horse Publications Conference and we both have behind us our Serape blankets. We became the Serape sisters while we were at the conference. The conference was in uh, New Mexico and Albuquerque. And uh, she and I got in a little early and we galloped around downtown for a while. Shopping. Shopping. <laughs> and we both fell in love with uh, these Serape blankets. And uh, I found in our colors. <laughs> yeah, I, we both found one in our brand colors. So they became kind of the backdrop for our time together at the conference. And I'll, I'll link to uh, a recap from the event so you can go and see pictures of Heather and I as roomies and where- That was so much fun. It was so much fun. And, and we really got to know each other so much better. And we just are totally on the same page. And it was amazing. And uh, the Serape blankets pop up in many, 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 many pictures from that conference. And <laughs> you were always talking about them online. So it was a- Well, I'm bringing it to the Equus Film Festival this year. So you better be ready. I'm bringing mine too, darling. <laughs> so we are going to uh, actually be reuniting in December at the Equus Film Festival in Lexington, Kentucky, because both of our books are Equus Film Festival Literary Award nominees. Yes. They'll be, um, in, Heather's doing some live podcasting from the event. So there'll be all sorts of cool things to follow and, and see coming out of the Aquas Film Festival this December. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, Girl Forward is, uh, is my second, you know, nonfiction book. And, and that, um, it's funny, I think you can see a difference, um, you know, in, in my writing, just because of, between Confessions of a Timid Writer and Girl Forward, it's, a, it's the same type of writing, because it's like, I'm telling you my story. Mm -hmm. So it's like I'm having a conversation with you, mm -hmm. um, but it's written in, in a much more um, chronological manner uh, as opposed to Confessions of a Timid Writer, which is kind of like little bursts of, of, of thoughts and things like that. So, um, but yeah, Girl Forward, I'm really proud about. I mean, I went to Mongolia to be part of this amazing event called the Gobi Desert Cup, and, it, and, and I learned a lot about myself being so far out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and you've been to Mongolia twice now and, and uh, Girl Forward was inspired by, by your time taking this on. Like you had, you, you know, you traveled to, this is considered a third world country, yeah. right? And, and yeah. you were timid, timid and you had to be bold and that inspired this memoir. And, and can you talk a little bit about what you learned um, about yourself as you traveled to Mongolia and you know some of the insights that you you learned there yeah I mean I've I've always been a nervous traveler just because of my anxiety um, there's nothing quite like putting you outside of your comfort zone and 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 expecting things to go wrong and and not you know wanting to be prepared right so I always have to be prepared so I'm always a little on edge so I found out I was going in May of 2018 and the event was in August of 2018. <laughs> wow. That's not a lot of time for someone like me. You know, I was researching Mongolian culture. I was researching the language. I was researching the event. I didn't know anybody there except a couple of people I'd talked to, you know, via Skype or Facebook Messenger. Um, and the event itself, you know, I don't know anything about endurance horse racing. I'd never been involved in, in that at all. And uh, so, you know, there's this big... <laughs> 
big jump. I mean, talk about being bold, right? Big jump to go from, okay, I've heard about this event, I've applied, but now I'm actually going to go. And uh, so I probably unpacked and packed like, I don't know, 12 times. My husband joked around that it looked like I was a hoarder because I just had a pile in the side of the room, <laughs> like things I would add and take out of the pile. And uh, I bought way too much stuff. Half of it I never needed or, you know, and you can only take one big bag. Mm -hmm. um, so, but in Mongolia, it's, it's such a unique country. And I really absolutely would tell anybody that they should do this event they the, or they should go to Mongolia because it's probably one of the last true horse cultures in the world. Mm. And it's so set apart from our day-to-day -day first world lives. And it's truly like stepping back into a piece of history and it's slowly going away. You know, a lot of the nomads are, are leaving and going to the city. Um, and so part of the reason that this event goes on is, is not only to have fun and adventure, but to introduce people to the world of, of the nomadic lifestyle that has been around since before the time of Genghis Khan. And it's been unchanged mm -hmm. since that time, uh, largely. So to kind of keep it and support it as long as possible. Um, you know, I'm not a camper. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a girl from the suburbs of, of New York city. You know, <laughs> I like to be able to call DoorDash and have, you know, three different restaurants, you know, come to my door when any meal I want and, uh, or to just leave my house and be in, I can be in Philadelphia in an hour and Manhattan in an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the country, but I've never spent quite, I've never lived outside. I've never lived without electricity or plumbing or and done this all with people I've never met uh, for, for two weeks. Um, and I think I really, I learned, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I, I could and would do anything I put my mind to. Um, I could live without a shower for two weeks. Um, <laughs> I can pee in a hole, <laughs> but you know, more, you know, like, you learn that you can embrace these other cultures and, and bring that home with you and say like, okay, let's bring a piece of that home. What did I learn about myself? I learned that I really require nature to be around. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to horses. Mm -hmm. um, there's special moments every morning before breakfast where I'd go out and I would just walk out, you know, a hundred feet and sit down and just watch the sunrise and the horses coming in from the grazing at night. And I would just be, in that moment. And for someone like me, who's always got her brain running, it was so incredibly necessary and peaceful. And mm -hmm. it reset me in a way that um, I don't think I would ever get here in this really fast paced world. Um, you know, I was largely away from phone service and, and internet. It was, you're just, you're confronted with your true self. Mm -hmm in a way that, um, that most people don't ever have the opportunity to do. And it's totally amazing. So I hope everybody gets to, at least if they can't go to Mongolia or they can't go to a place like that, that they at least get to um, maybe experience a little bit of it through Girl Forward. Yeah, and it's a beautiful book. I, I'm just really moved by what you just shared. Thank, thank Aww, you. Thank and, you. And I was very moved by the book, and it was a very good book, and it really chronicles that sort of awakening that you experienced having been separated from this always-on, fast-moving, you know, connected uh, culture that we live in here, So, and, and some of that natural experience that you had. So I would recommend the book 
I loved it. Um, I will link to it in the show notes so people can go find a copy of Girl Forward and Confessions of a Timid Writer, also wonderful read. So I wanted to ask a little bit, you know, memoirs are different for me. I write fiction, right? So like, and memoirs are sharing of yourself. And I was wondering, you know, if you experienced any personal hurdles um, when you were writing so openly about your life and, you know, it, 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 was there anything you had to overcome when, when you were, were going through that process? Um, I mean, I think we're always experiencing hurdles, right? Whether mm. it's in our writing or, or in our family. I think the first time I came back from Mongolia, um, you know, it was difficult to come back and kind of, I call it re-entering the um, atmosphere because I'm a mom and a wife and mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to to answer to for so many weeks, you know, and then I had to come back and it was like, I'd never left. It was like, mom, this mom, that well, honey, do this, honey. And, <laughs> you know, um, writing so personally, I do share really so much. Um, and I'm really quite lucky that I've had so much support from, from readers. Um, I don't really get a lot of, of negative comments. If, if I do, it really hurts um, because it is so personal, but I try to take it with a grain of salt and I try to, I try to share it a lot of times and just say like, listen, like my life isn't perfect and mm. you might see a lot of the good because that's what I'm trying to put the focus on. Um, you know, like Confessions of a Timid Writer, when it came out, and even still to this day, it still got a little bit of hiccups in the editing. And so I actually, I don't know, I, I contacted the editor who did Girl Forward because I was so happy with her work that I was just like, can you please help me fix Confessions of a Timid Writer with the typos? And, uh, and so she's working on it. So I'm going to be uploading a new version very, very soon because that just sticks in my craw that it was there and I let it go on for so long um, because Which I didn't is, even real, realize how bad yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a learning, it's a learning lesson. I think I think yeah. Alfred's books have we they have a little bit of that. I went I went through the very same thing too, and the editor you're talking about is Lori Bergley, right? Who is a, yes, a Maryland equestrian, yeah, a fellow equine author too, who is also going to be on the show and oh, nice. and talk about partnerships and authors uniting. I actually recommended Lori to you, so like That's right, for the world we all like help each other out along the way, and 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 that's really great. Um, and that's what it should be. I mean, right? Because yeah. we're not competing with each other. We're friends. We want to help each other and boost each other up. Because if, if you're doing well, I'm doing well. Because I care about you. Right. And that's what it should be. Yeah. Other authors are not our com competition. Or anybody is not our competition. We, you know, we're stronger if we stand together. That's like really where, where we all, you know, that's why you and I get along so well. is because yeah. we, we believe in that philosophy. So speaking to, you know, some of the, the experiences in, in, in this author journey and in your journey in general, what do you wish that you had known when you started out um, on your writing journey or even your entrepreneurial journey? Um, what's something you wish you had maybe like a do over on? That's such a hard question for me. <laughs> because like, not only can I probably think of a thousand things, there's not really one of them I would change. I mean, cause you learned. Right. I learned so much. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, I've had a few friendships lost, um, which I feel very keenly because I don't, I'm not very close with very many people. I'm very open, but I don't let a lot of people in like personally, mm -hmm. um, like as an inner circle kind of like friend. And so I'm a very loyal person and a very, um, 
but I think sometimes business can really get in the way. And I try not to take it personally, but sometimes that doesn't mean that they don't. And I'm always looking out for other people, but sometimes if it's not even, I think I've, I've really learned that I need to set boundaries because I'm the kind of person who, if you ask me, I will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that doesn't stop there. It keeps going. And then it asks for more and more and more. And I don't always want to shut it down or I don't step up and say something to shut it down or just say like, okay, well, you know, why don't we do this instead? Or, or I can't do this. I need to focus on this. And so I think saying no for me is a real big problem. Mm -hmm. Um, it's something I'm working on. And especially when I first started my business, I was saying yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'll be your vendor here. I'll do this. I'll do that. Um, and now I find myself with, and granted, I mean, I'm so proud to be able to just sit back and you know, say, you know what, I'm going to take a break on this or reach back to me in six months on that. So I am starting to say no um, and step back and really f- try to put my focus on particular things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing that I think I really struggle with, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And well, it's also very important to recharge the batteries, you know, every now and then and and take time for yourself. I mean, you're a very giving person. That's very clear. I mean, you care about animals, you care about people, you care about readers, you care about building your business, but, but at the same, and you're a mom and you care about your family and you care about your horses and then, Oh my goodness. You know, it's like, if you don't find a way to create boundaries and say no, um, and, and create some buffer for yourself, it, you know, burnout is very, possible and so I, and I definitely have experienced it recently yeah. really kind of need to say like okay I deserve this time because I work hard mm-hmm. I'm a human being mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need to just stop and and reset and so self-care is is something that I think most women don't really focus on mm-hmm. um we're always worrying about other people and especially mm-hmm. if you have significant others and and children and horses mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people of my clients come to me and they're like, I don't know when the last time I got a sports massage was. And, you know, here their horses are getting a full body workup with cold laser and a thermal image and, you know, and they're on the regular rotation and that's where their money's going because they can't afford to do both. And yeah, I get that. It's hard. It's really, really hard. It is. It is. You, you've had a lot of success and you're and, and now you're also taking time to like step back and take care of yourself too, you know? And so as you've been building this business, you're continuing to keep going. You have no intention of stopping, but when people have big dreams, what do you think um, is the most common reason for, for people failing or giving up? Why do people put down their pens and stop writing their book? Like why do people stop working on building their small businesses or, you know, abandon a podcast? You know, why do people get out of the saddle and walk away? What do you think is the biggest reason for, for dreams not coming to fruition? In my opinion, and, and I've experienced this myself, is the feeling like you're, you're not getting anywhere. Mm. The feeling that you're not being heard or your message isn't being received or that you're working so hard and, and you're not getting anything in return. I think I, think, um, I experienced that even, I mean, as you say, like I'm, I'm, re- I'm relatively successful. Like I've got, you know, clients fully booked and my books are doing really well for awards and winning awards. And Um, but you still kind of compare yourself to other people a lot. And I, when I find myself doing that, I just like kind of mentally slap myself in the face and just sit back. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm different than everybody else. And Mm -hmm. for me, I like to set small goals. 
because whenever I look back, I look and I say like, wow, I did so much more than I thought I did because we're so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. and we are constantly editing ourselves and, and saying like, what can we be doing better? But the thing is, is like, yes, I'm sure you can always be doing something better and learning, but like, look where you've come from. Um, look what you've already learned. Like I had to teach myself how to do so much. I never ran a business before. I worked in publishing for 12 years. And even then, when I started my own publishing company to publish my books, I made mistakes. Um, But then I look back and I say, like, even with the difference of my first book and my third book, I'm like, okay, like, look at that. I'm pretty proud of it. Um, And and grow as a writer. And you grow. grow. And and there are really no failures or mistakes. They're just opportunities to learn and build from. And it's like in your arsenal of information now, you know, and it's like, and, and that's why this community is so cool too. Like now that we've built these relationships and we're all uniting and taking care of each other, we can reach out to others and you can share what you learn from some of your experiences to, yes. you know, help steer somebody else maybe from going into the ditch. <laughs> so to speak. No, totally. Yeah. And I think that's part of the community aspect, right? Is we're not alone on an island. Right. We've all, we're all, we might have different, you have fiction, I have nonfiction, but you know, you shared your editor with me. She did an amazing job. I'm, you know, been really happy. She's made a big difference in my life, but also she does other things. She writes books, but she also writes for this magazine or she is a blogger as well. And, she, and then she's got a connection over here. And you know, we've all got different experiences that lead us to this place, mm-hmm. but it, it's just life experience. And, and what I have can maybe help somebody else and what they have could help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, I think back to like maybe my first clients, my first massage clients, when I was just out of certification and thinking like, wow, like what I did then and what I can do now with just the experience and kind of figuring out what works and doesn't work personally it, you know, you, you're like, Oh God, I feel so bad. Like, <laughs> like I could have given so much more, but at the same time, you just didn't know. Didn't know. That's right. Yeah. And so I don't know, just, we got to stop being so hard on ourselves. And I, and that's coming from me who is the worst of it. You know, I'm, I'm so hard on myself more, more so than anybody else could ever be. And that's, that's great advice. You know, it's like, take care of, we need to breathe and take care of ourselves. And like that, that's the beauty of the journey of life, right? We're constantly learning. It's, it's like, what do you do with that, that you learn to, to grow as a human? I think what that is so important. We all make mistakes, you know, failures are inevitable on the path to success. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, do you, you, but the thing is you have to be bold, like you say, and keep, growing and going and giving and like it, life works itself out. There is a path for you. Right. I, I truly yeah. believe in that. Well, and I think too, like if, if, if someone is going through that right now and they're on the edge, the precipice of stepping away, like I did, you know, when I was younger, um, I think if they just take a pause, they just take a moment and maybe on a, just a post-it note or a piece of paper set like one or two small goals. I like three small goals personally. Um, you set three small goals that you can achieve in the next like month, mm. two weeks, right? You know, give yourself some time, but make it so it's sooner than later. And then you find that like, okay, if I can achieve these, wow, I've made progress. And then you set three more goals and you find that you may be doing it slowly, but like you're continually making progress because I think that's the biggest thing is people don't see progress and they step away. Right. That's, that's, that's fantastic insight. Thank you so much. Welcome. So speaking of insight and, and, and setting your goals, like what, 
makes you feel inspired or like your your very best self? I'm sure there's a lot of them. I know I, most people don't realize this because I'm you know I'm a mom of three. I'm in my 40s and I'm a little curvy, but I was always a dancer growing up. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I learned about I learned this about Heather at the American Horse Publications Conference. I'm laughing. Okay, oh yeah, continue. there was a salsa. There was a salsa club. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. There was there was salsa dancing happening, but that's it. You know, I've had at the Tom Quilty this year in Australia, which is a huge endurance event. A couple of of people who rode last year got together and were like, "Why doesn't Heather ride like she dances?" Because when I'm in Mongolia, right. Their music goes on. I dance like no one's watching. I don't care what I look like. You want to dance with me? Great. You want to dance with me? Great. And you know, I just love it. I love the music. I love being able to just let loose and let go. And so I started taking dance lessons again as an adult. I mean, literally just started. Um, I'm horribly out of shape, even with all the writing that I do, <laughs> but it's been so much fun. And I find that it gives me that kind of stress relief and lets me step back. And then it kind of like makes me think I could do more because I haven't danced, you know, for 20 years really, or taken lessons since I was in Manhattan. I've had three kids. I've, I've, you know, I'm just, I'm totally in a different place, but I'm having fun still. And really, mm. isn't that what it should be about? Like, let's yes. just like take the pressure off. I'm not going to be winning any dance competitions, but that's okay. You know, as long as I, I find that I follow the dance better every week or I maybe stretch a little bit more or I'm having fun, like, I'm going to call it a win. So I actually, I want to bring a little bit of that into the writing arena, actually. Um, I've been thinking about kind of toying with putting together a playlist and maybe choreographing like a dance with Ferris and seeing oh, if I can pull so it off. Cool. I love that. Yeah. You, you must share video clips. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So like music and dancing and, you know, in bringing that fun into your life, that, that yeah, makes you feel fired Exactly. Up and and like maybe, maybe even starting on the ground and then in the saddle, like I don't really know dressage, but isn't that the basis of dressage is it's like a dance. So mm -hmm. maybe I take that and kind of make it my own thing and, uh, you know, just do some, some fun thing. He likes to play. I like to play. I love it. That's <laughs> wonderful. Okay. So we're starting to get towards the end here because I mean, I feel you know, I know you, we could talk for like seven hours. So, <laughs> so we will definitely, you know, be back on the show together. And as you release books and, you know, I'm sure there'll, you'll, there'll be an appearance at the Equus Film Festival and, uh, you know, you're such a good friend. I this is what I wanted to ask you, like, to, yes, we moved to the end of the, the call because you're involved in so many things, you know, so I want to know, what are you curious about right now I mean you just shared a little bit about creating a dressage dance with you and your horse <laughs> to music like that's, that was that's, just in the moment <laughs> that's cool but you, yeah you know so like what, what are you curious about right now I'm just gonna leave it wide open Ooh, I'm curious actually about writing fiction Woo! Um, cool. I feel like that that's always been something I wanted to do when I was a kid I wanted to be an author that's I was, was writing fiction um I find it incredibly hard to write um and so I think that is going to be like, I have a couple of ideas of, of the route I want to go, like the kind of stories I want to write, I love this. but nothing really fine tuned yet. Like you said, I have so much on my plate right now. Mm -hmm. I find that, um, that I write more when my massage season is over. So I basically have, it's, I'm very seasonal. So like September through January is very busy. 
And then there's kind of a break from, you know, the end of January, February, March, and then April through the beginning of June. And then the summer is off. So like I write kind of seasonally and then I write in between, but I really focus on the books, you know, in those kind of moments where I'm not filled with clients. It's a delicate balance. I'll be honest. <laughs> yes. It sounds horrible right you need now. To like block every minute of every second of every day, you know, because you, your, your life, is, but that's the cool thing. Your life is so full and it's full of what you want in your life for the most and part. And every day is different. Every yeah. day is different. Some days I wake up, I record a podcast with my friends from all over the world. And then I go on and I take the kids to school and I, um, I go, maybe I run some errands and then I have a couple clients. I come back, do kids activities. And then maybe I write. So, mm-hmm. but every day is different. Every client is different. I mean, I have regular clients, you know, on a regular schedule, but it's so funny because, you know, whereas I think I have a free day on Wednesday, oh, I'm going to go ride my horse. All of a sudden I've got, you know, three phone calls for a last minute client appointment. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> what, what am I going to say no to them? And then mm-hmm. I fit my horse in at a different time. So mm-hmm. it can be hard. <laughs> it can be hard, but I mean, at least I'm living my life to the fullest and, and, uh, and getting to travel and meet new people. And I mean, it's such a gift to be able to do what I do and to be able to make it um, like an actual income stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I think that's the hardest part with, with working in an industry like the equestrian world, right? You always say you never start working with horses to make money, but um, as long as it can pay my bills and I can keep going, then what? Good I'm, on I'm you. Good. Well, and I think what's important that you've, what you've done too, what I think is important is you've diversified. You have multiple, multiple in, income streams, right? So you're not yeah. just reliant on your books, bringing in an income. You know, you, you have your books, you have speaking engagements, you have uh, your essential oils and your products, you have, you know, your, you know, obviously your massage business. I mean, you, you have income streams coming from various places, which, mm-hmm. which I think is in essence, a, a great way to be an entrepreneur and a great way to build a business. You have it coming from various areas and you're not reliant on just one. Um, so I think that's very important for, for business owners or small business owners. To yeah. Know. And one feeds the other, right? right? So like a lot of times I find that like the money I make from the massage practice will go to buying books for an event mm-hmm. or um, to pay for my editor fees or mm-hmm. um, my travel to the conferences. So one hand washes the other a lot of times, but I'm just starting to get to the point now where I can extend and ask for help. Like I'm, I'm going to be getting someone to help me with the social media for the massage business. Mm. The timid writer is so personal. I would never hand that off to anybody else, but my massage business, you know, I can create the content and I do have a couple of other colleagues that have come on board the practice and we can hire somebody to do that for us. So I'm learning to kind of extend and delegate (laughs) and ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm luckily enough in the point where I can actually start affording to pay for that. <laughs> Yay. That's, I mean, that's so exciting. I have really enjoyed following your journey and getting to know you better and being able to call you a friend now. And, yeah. you know, would you tell people if they're, you know, interested in following your journey where they can find you and your books? Yes, absolutely. So all my books are available on Amazon, but if you want to follow me and talk to me, timidwriter.com. Or I'm on all over social media with the account at Timid Rider. Um, and I'm always available for, for a chat, reach out. I love talking to people, even if it's privately. Uh, and if you're interested in my massage uh, services or, or 
aromatherapy or anything like that. I do sell the products. Um, I actually just shipped a whole bunch off to Australia for the first time, which was kind of crazy. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, the shipping alone. Oh my God. But I can't um, even imagine. No, it's crazy. <laughs> but um, animalbodywork.com is me. And, uh, you know, I love, like I said, I like to do speaking engagements. I like to travel. So, um, you know, if you have a whole bunch of horses and you want me to come out and, and work with them, you know, like give me a shout. You just never know. Maybe I make it work. Yeah. And that's great. And Heather does travel. So, you know, if you're in a certain place that you can connect with her there, actually, I'm really excited. She's coming to Arizona, um, you know, in, during, during the winter and, and we're trying to work it out where, where she can come up to where she's going to be in Tucson. So we're trying to work it up where we can connect. And I really want her to work on my, my mare sissy and give her some of her loving healing hands. Uh, so, so they'll definitely be post about that. If, if that oh yeah. Nice. I mean, I have to meet Sissy. I'm not going to say no to that. I'm going to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm so Forget excited. you. I see you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Heather and I will be reuniting this December in Lexington, Kentucky at the Equus Film Festival. So expect to see some fun pictures of us prancing around that event at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, with our Sarabe blankets. With our Sarabe blankets. Yeehaw! <laughs> um, Sarabe sisters reunite. So Heather, I wanted to just thank you so much for being Spotlight today and you know sharing all this fantastic insight from an author's perspective, from a small business owner's perspective, sharing with us about um, body work for animals. I think that's really important work that you do. And I am just excited for all your success and congratulations. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Um, you're something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's never boring in my life. Well, thank you so much, Carly. You know, I love chatting with you and, and hanging out. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author, who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.